Fly ball left field. Hit on the line. It's deep. And it's gone. A home run. Hook it away. McKenna around third. Throw from the outfield is up the line. Inside the park. Home run. How about it? First chance to hit 400. And Miguel Cabrera delivers. Incredible. I think we should call this the podcast of technical difficulties. The podcast that the higher powers don't want to happen. Yeah, we did. Um, I think everyone deserves kind of an explanation of what exactly happened. Um, long story short, everything had kind of gotten stale. Um, when before, when Al Beaton was with the site, he and Hookslide ran the podcast together and they did a great job. And then Al left the site, uh, and we uh, left all of the du- duties to Hookslide instead of just half of them. And the rest of us just kind of said, Hey, buddy, here you go. Go have fun. Not to mention our audio quality was the equivalent of the Detroit Tigers bullpen. Good to be here. Good to be back. We picked a damn good day to record, didn't we? <laughs> This whole situation just gets stranger and stranger as we unfold more, as we hear more. Um, you know, we get to, I, I was at the gym. I was at the gym on Tuesday and I get the MLB at bat alert that Dombrowski has been relieved of his duties and Avila's the GM. 
Uh, thankfully, I was at the end of my workout, so I just basically jumped on my bike, got home as fast as I could, tried to figure out what exactly was going on, and I feel like my head's still spinning, and I'm still trying to wrap everything around it uh, as we go along here. Uh, you know, first, uh, I guess we should back up and start at the beginning, um, and almost I, I feel like we all almost need to go through this chronologically just to figure out what the hell happened before we can even analyze it. So it appears that the Tigers on Saturday uh, that owner Mike Illich told Al Avila, the current GM and executive vice president, that he would become the GM and executive vice president. However, they didn't tell Dave Dombrowski this until Tuesday when they made the announcement. Uh, and I believe he got just a quick phone call from Mike Illich along with a press release that mentioned his name only one time um, that he had been relieved of his duties or released from his contract or however you want to say it uh, but all signs point to the fact that he was fired No, it's not. Um, and, you know, like you said, it is, it, that kind of would have been the nice scenario in that you give Al Avila a couple of months to see out the rest of the season so that he's kind of prepared for the off season, the winter meetings and everything. So he's got a couple of months under his belt before he needs to jump into what might be the most important Tigers off season of the last decade. Um, but instead, it has turned into really kind of a mess. Um, you know, frankly, I, that, I did not see that one, but yeah, I mean, it really does. Um, you know, I, I've only been able to, I had a long day at work today, so I've only been able to read this stuff on our own site. Um, and, you know, the, the headline I'm looking at right now says, former Tigers GM not given any explanation. Why was he not told why he was being let go? Um, you know, he said himself that I don't, I, no one owes it to me uh, to tell me that I've been let go. But, you know, based on his track record, he damn well does deserve to be told why he's being let go. Yeah, it's it's just uh you know, I'm totally perplexed by this. And uh, you know, any way you spin it, it really doesn't make the Illich family look good. I mean, there was nobody from the Illich family at the press conference. Poor guy. Poor, poor guy. 
I don't know what it is. And like you said, you know, Chris Illich was at the injured or the, I guess, goodbye press conference for, uh, Red Wings coach Mike Babcock or former Red Wings coach Mike Babcock. Um, but you'd think that if Mike Illich can't make it to either one of these press conferences, whether it's for health related reasons or not or whatnot, that someone from the Illich family would have been there to oversee the passing of the torch to the number one person in their team's organization. Yeah, um, it's puzzling, uh, to be sure. Um, you know, maybe they let Dombrowski go through it because he had already been talking to other GMs, because he had already developed a relationship with other GMs. But you think the number two guy in command would, you know, command some respect from these guys. Um, I'm sure that Al Avila has picked up the phone and called another front office once or two, once or twice during his, you know, 14 years with the Tigers, right alongside Dombrowski. Um, so, you know, it's, it's puzzling. I mean, I know that the trade deadline is right in Dombrowski's wheelhouse compared to whatever Avila's relative strength and weaknesses may be. But, you know, if you're planning on getting rid of him right at the end of that, you know, for one thing, I think it speaks to Dombrowski's integrity that he still made these moves for, you know, that were going to better the org- the organization at large. Um, even if he did suspect that he was, he said he suspected something, so you don't know, but I think it's a little bit of an unfair comparison to make. Um, you know, you've got Al Avila here, who, like you said, has been in the baseball for a long time. Um, the, we have no reason to believe that he can't be, you know, a competent GM and build a team and do it in his own way. Um, but you're comparing him to one of the guys that has built, that has basically built three different organizations from the ground up, from his time with the Montreal Expos to his complete building and then tear down and then rebuilding of the Florida Marlins. And then to come to Detroit and doing what he did here, um, the guy is just a proven winner. Um, so you're basically, you know, you're, you're giving Al Lavilla some awful large shoes to fill in that, you know, there's, I, I am almost, I don't want to say excited, but I'm kind of curious as to how Al Lavilla is going to do everything. Um, from what we've heard over the last couple of days, he may be a little more sabermetrically inclined than Dabrowski is, so I'm intrigued by that. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I, yeah, true, that is, oh, man. 
But it is kind of a it is kind of a good comparison though, because you've got you know a Hall of Fame manager and Jim Leland walking out the door, and we're seeing this new guy who has no experience, and we're thinking, hey, maybe he can be okay. Um, and sure, Osmus has totally flopped. Maybe Avila won't flop as bad. I guess I, I, that, this is the the point that we've gotten to this franchise, and it's a little scary. I don't know if he has to live up to that because GMs can operate in such different ways. Um, he may choose to kind of build the next Tigers team through his own methods. Um, I think that a lot of, I think that we will be able to learn a lot about what to expect based on who he hires as kind of his number two man. Um, no one has really been announced as the second in command yet, the assistant GM or anything. Um, but there have been rumors, uh, inklings, I guess, if you will. Uh, that a guy named Sam Menzen, who is one of the st- statistical coordinators for the Tigers, that he may be in line to move up to that position. And if that's the case, we may, in fact, see that kind of more saber-minded approach. Um, you know, that's just kind of what I've read uh, based on, I think I saw uh, from Lynn Henning earlier today, that he may be kind of one of the guys to take uh, to move up into that role. So I think that once we get that announcement, we may be able to get a little bit more a little bit more information about what Avila is going to be about. It is. Um, you know, it, it was, it, this was far more shocking and, you know, it really took me, took me back. I mean, we kind of expected the whole price of the Soria trades too, because there was a little bit of a, a lead up to that. You know, we had heard the rumors that they were looking to sell. So it was almost more of a, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Not so much what's, what is going to happen? That type of thing. Um, and, you know, I, I had said earlier on the site that the, the decision to sell at the trade deadline was more of a relief, if anything, uh, because they had picked a damn direction to go in. Um, but this, this was just, you know, we got blindsided. Well, I think they did very well in all three moves um, to basically announce two days before the deadline that they're selling 
and still get the haul that they got, especially in the David Price deal. I think that's very impressive. And going back to kind of our last topic speaks to just how good Dave Dombrowski is and was at his job. Um, you know, t- trading David two months, trading two months of David Price away, uh, they get a top 15 prospect in all of baseball, Daniel Norris. Um, another left-handed starter, Matt Boyd, who just threw seven awesome innings against the Kansas City Royals tonight. Um, and then a third guy down in the, mire, the minors, Hiro Labor, who, uh, you know, seems to have just as high of a ceiling as either one of those guys. Well, well our prospect, prospect guru, our prospect whisperer, if you will, Emily Walden was the one that pried the, that information out of uh, out of the minor league team, so she gets the props for that, not me. Yeah, she 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 is incredible. I mean, she ends up you know all over the place at some of these games. Um, you know, it really is amazing just how quickly she's able to get get inside and in all of this. Hiro Labor, yes. Yes, you do, pron- you do pronounce the T. If, if we're wrong, we're blaming her. Yeah, I definitely think that they're, I don't want to say overrating their own talent a little bit, um, but you've got a few they received in the trades, but some other guys like Anthony Ghost and James McCann, guys at the, the front off, uh, both before and after Dombrowski Gate um, went down that, you know, they're really kind of propping up these guys. These are building blocks for our future. And, you know, we haven't seen a lot out of these guys either yet. Um, going back to the, the guys that we received in the trades, um, yes, guys like Daniel Norris and everything have been praised by scouts for their physical abilities and what they've shown in, in previous games and the minor leagues and things like that. Um, and I'm encouraged by kind of what we saw out of specifically Norris in his uh, start on Sunday um, and just kind of seeing the way his fastball looked and how confused, I guess, and how surprised that some of these Orioles hitters were. Um, specifically the fastball really kind of seemed to explode out of his hand. Um, and so things like that, you know, that's kind of a more of an, I guess, natural talent thing and not every pitcher has that. Um, but seeing that was definitely encouraging. Um, but yeah, like you said, it is kind of a, we got to go on what we've, uh, we got to go on what we've been told as opposed to what we're seeing on the field. Um, but I will say that, that, that this whole situation definitely worked out well when the Tigers traded Curtis Granderson for a couple of unknowns and Max Scherzer and Austin Jackson, too. Very true. Very true. Yeah, 
Yeah, but he was in the National League. Is that really the major leagues? Come on now. Yeah, I mean, if he ends up being a league average pitcher over the five or six years that they have him under club control, that's still a pretty valuable asset. And definitely one that you would want to turn two months of a great pitcher, or I guess, uh, I guess you could say two worthless months of a great pitcher into what's hopefully six, six years of a league average starter at a very low cost. Um, you know, that's definitely, not something to be taken lightly. And if he turns into anything else, if he turns into, you know, God forbid, another Max Scherzer or another David Price, then, you know, they've got another Dombrowski heist on their hands. Yeah, and I said at the time um, that, you know, if the Tigers, out of these the, the series of three trades here, uh, between the five pitchers that they got back, if they can get two league average starters out of that, that's just a monumental win for them. If they can turn Norris or Boyd or uh, one of the other guys, Michael Fulmer or Luis Sessa, who I believe made his AAA debut tonight, um, if they can turn two of, two of those four guys into, you know, league average starters, another another Drew Smiley or two, for instance. I think that's a huge win for uh, the Tigers. Well, I do, I do know that he gave up three runs before he even gotten out, uh, but I didn't hear anything beyond that. You know, he looked like he was putting it together at first, um, and I didn't get a chance to watch much of last night's uh, game. You know, I had it on in front of me, but I was uh, a little preoccupied with everything else going on. Still in shell shock over the whole Dabrowski news. Um, but yeah, he did not look as impressive uh, last night against the Kansas City Royals. Um, it definitely didn't help that he grooved an 0-2 fastball to a guy in Salvador Perez, who has uh, inherited Billy Butler's witchcraft voodoo ownership over him um and i believe uh i believe perez hit that over the wall for a two-run homer um but yeah he did not look as sharp as he had before um he gave up 10 hits in seven innings which is never a good thing um and it didn't walk anyone which is nice but at the same time if you're grooving pitches over the plate that's not really uh any better than a higher walk total
Yeah. Um, you know, you could ask us again in five days and maybe he's off of, uh, coming off of a great start. And yeah, he's back. Um, but you know, I'm looking at it right now and here are the run totals that he has given up in his starts this year. He's given up two runs, six runs, three, seven, one, seven, one, one, and five. Um, you know, back in his heyday, he was, he wasn't always, you know, going in these zero run and one run starts. Okay. Maybe he was for, you know, the couple years there, but even in the less than MVP caliber years, he was, you know, holding teams to maybe three or four runs in some of his worst starts as opposed to getting rocked for seven every other outing. Um, and I think that's the biggest, uh, the biggest issue for them right now is that, you know, maybe they're not getting the best Verlander on a certain day, but when they're not getting the best Verlander, they're certainly getting the worst Verlander. Yeah, it's a huge problem for them. Um, if he can't get back on track, because not only do you have one guy in the rotation that's not performing well, I mean, he's got an ERA over five right now, um, but that's a huge strain on your payroll as well. He's getting paid, you know, $28 million a year. Um, and they can't, uh, the Tigers just can't afford to go out and pay, you know, four other guys that kind of money uh, to get that kind of production. And it goes back to, you know, the trades that the Tigers just made that they need a Boyd, a Norris, a Fulmer to come out and give them some solid numbers at cost control prices so that they are able to at least withstand uh, the strain on the payroll that Verlander is causing right now. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, get back to that, that that's the problem there, that he's getting paid $28 million a year for each of the next five seasons, along with a potential vesting option for 2020 that is really just kind of looking comical at this point. Um, you know, if they have to go out and, you know, pay for a David Price or a Johnny Cueto, um, they're not going to have enough money to fill the other areas of their roster that need, uh, that need to be addressed, like the bullpen, for instance, or, Whatever happens with left field next year, um, you know, if they're spending upwards of $25, 30000000 million on the starter, they're going to have to go cheap elsewhere. And as we've seen with the bullpen, going cheap is not working. I blame the Joe Nathan fathead on the bullpen door. Have you seen that picture? They still have that up. <laughs> is it a is it a voodoo doll? 
Uh, well, it's just his face, so uh, probably not, but, you know. couple months at the winter meetings, a couple months at trade deadline, and then let someone else run the show when there's nothing else happening? Yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. Sounds good. No. No, he will not. F F no? Do I, how, how many times? No, I don't think there's any way that he's coming back. Um, you know, Al Avila during his introductory press conference kind of gave Osmus a... I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here, but he gave him a little bit of a vote of confidence, but only till the end of the season. Um, and then it was kind of, it, it was a, it was a, we're not firing you yet, I guess. That's the best way. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What? What? When? What day does the season end on? October third, October fourth. Yeah, he'll be probably looking for a job soon after that. Now, for the future, do we mean 2015 or 2016 and beyond? <laughs> okay. Um, for 2015, I honestly think they should just use Bruce Rondon as a closer. I don't think he's the best option for that, but the organization has wanted to use him as a closer for so damn long that they should just get it over with now that these last two months of the season probably aren't going to matter. And see if he can hack it. Um, you know, he's got the fastball for it. He's got the the nasty breaking stuff. So see if he can stomach the role. Um, you know, and personally, I would like to see them go out and sign. And I'm going to throw out a name here. Darren O'Day of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's absolutely killing it and has been for the last few years. Um, doesn't have the high 90s fastball, but he gets guys out and is absolutely hell on righties, and that's who I think they should go after. Velocity be damned. I mean, maybe you can, but I'm pretty bad at video games, so...
And we might get a protected draft pick. That'd be nice, too. I think that based on what we know about Al Avila and his um, his background, you know, coming up as a scout and things like that, I think that common sense says that they might do that. Um, but in the near future, especially with Mike Illich whispering in his ear saying, we got to win now, we got to win now, um, maybe not. We'll see. I don't think they're very good. Um, Cespedes is probably going to make more than the Tigers are willing to pay him. Um, I would take the over on a $20 million contract per year for him. Um, and I think that the Tigers aren't going to be quite so keen on spending that kind of money for a, a flawed player. A good player and a fun player to watch, but still a flawed player in Cespedes. He also said that he really enjoys the atmosphere in New York where their fans are super excited about finally having a team that's competing again. That stadium is rocking. No. No. No, some Um, I think it's going to be someone that not even on our radar right now. I don't know if it's going to be someone in the organization like a Tyler Collins or Daniel Fields or whatever. Um, you know, the market is pretty thin. So I wonder if this is kind of where Avila makes his mark in trading for a guy that we're not really thinking of. Well, I think they do need to go after a starting pitcher. Um, I don't necessarily know if it needs to be a David Price caliber guy that's going to get 200 plus million, but I think they need to add at least one arm to the rotation. Um, you know, assuming you've got Justin Verlander and Anibal Sanchez back next year, then you've got probably two of the, two of the younger guys that, uh, that are coming up through the system, either the guys they've traded for or a Buck Farmer or a Kyle Lobstein. Um, and I think you need to add a free agent starter to that.
They haven't yet. I'm going to take the easy way out now that Matt Boyd has had a great start and say that it'd be Matt Boyd. Um, I'm going to go with Casper Wells. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to think it's kind of bad, but I guess it's, I guess it's up to everyone's interpretation. Um, yeah, we could, we, we could go three. He did get traded for Doug Fisher. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, I think this is a good place to end. Uh, yeah, get a, get in touch with us any way you can. Comments, Twitter, Facebook, email, snail mail, if you can figure that out. Uh, any any way you can. If you've got suggestions, carrier pigeon, go ahead yeah, any way you can. Uh, the more creative, the better. BYB Rob, correct.
I am I am part of this. And before we go, I do want to say I don't think they're listening to it at this point anymore. But I want to thank a few people. Uh, I reached out to several other SB Nation blogs when looking for help for this podcast. So Jeff Paternostro, uh, Josh Nelson, Jim Margulis, and Colin O'Keefe. If you guys are listening, thank you so much for your suggestions, uh, your tips, everything. We would not be back at this without your help. 